Quick disclaimer, due to the effects of COVID-19, James is recording some episodes of Rocket Fuel virtually, and in this episode that results in a slight delay between himself and his guest. Natasha is not interrupting him, there is simply a delay in the connection. Other than that, on with the episode. So I'm not currently in the dating game. I've not been on a dating app or a dating website. I mean, I've been married 10 years, for goodness sake. So you'd hope not. But dating culture is such a huge part of of youth culture. And I really wanted to better understand what goes on with dating and what goes on with dating apps. So this week's guest is Natasha Briefel. She's UK Brand Marketing Director at Badu. And I think we strike the balance right. We talk about the entire dating space. We even learn what goes on on dates across different territories globally and with different age groups. And we also, at the time of recording, we were just entering our fourth week of COVID-19 lockdown. So we even focus on what an online date looks like. Yes, people are linking up. If you didn't think dating was pressured enough already, people are linking up and having shared experiences online as part of the date. So we spoke to Natasha about that as well. Do have a listen. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Natasha comes across really articulately. We discuss about the tech of the product, her fascination with insights and data. We learn about her, we learn about Badu, and then we ask Natasha Briefel from Badu, for her rocket fuel. So the first thing to saying, Natasha Briefel, UK Brand Marketing Director of Badu, thank you so much for being this week's guest on Rocket Thank fuel. you for having me, James. No worries. So let's get to know you a bit. That's kind of the first section here. Tell us a bit about your journey. How have you ended up in the role that you're in now? Yeah, I mean, from a young age, I've always taken an interest in marketing and brands. Um, You know, when I was 16, I did loads of work experience at at advertising agencies and got really, really excited when I got pulled into uh, pictures for youth brands at the time. So um, I was at Grey Advertising and they put me on, they were pitching for Nokia and Ribena. And they got me involved in that because obviously I had quite an interesting insight into youth at the time. But really, I mean, my journey has been quite eclectic, really. Um, I actually spent my first six years in financial services. I was on the marketing side. Um, I mean, it was it was really great for me to to be in a really fast paced environment. I got to work across all marketing channels and the marketing mix. But after six years, I, you know, I wasn't really inspired by the financial services industry. And I really wanted to work with brands that I cared about and be part of popular culture. Um, So after six years, I, I decided to set myself up as a consultant because I wanted to use the skills and experience that I'd had from finance, but apply it to brands and sectors that I felt 
more more passionately about um and it was just great experience to go off on my own you know really learning how to sell yourself to brands come up with great ideas and partnerships and creative solutions and it was um i was freelancing for a experiential agency where tinder was one of the clients and i was working on that international women's day campaign it was one, one of those campaigns where all the stars aligned they got huge amounts of press for it we built this installation on south bank and tinder hq you know sort of heard all about it and they then asked me to come in-house and do their uk brand marketing strategy which then led me uh, to stay there for a year so i i actually um started their first student marketing program which i rolled out across the uk which was absolutely Wow. How long ago was that? So that was uh, two, two and a half years ago. Um, okay. So kind of when Tinder was just becoming part of the popular culture, or would you say it was already there two and a half years ago? It was already part of popular culture, um, but they hadn't. The, the brand had grown so quickly on its own without having to do too much in the UK. It was just, you know, it just absolutely exploded. But we then got to a yeah. point where... Um, you know, they had to work harder on their perception, brand perception. And so they built out a specific UK marketing team because they needed to become relevant in the UK. They needed to have a voice in the UK. And obviously it's a very yeah. American brand and you can't run that from the US. So um, I, had a, I had a great time launching their student marketing program and we did lots of brand partnerships with uh, Boiler Room, which is a music platform, and Days Media. We created content yeah. with them. So at that point, it was very much uh, focusing on the youth market, uh, you know, sort of 18 to 24-year-olds, which is really Tinder's, um, Tinder's sweet spot. Um, and then it was from there that I got offered the opportunity um, at Badoo, which is one of the largest dating apps. It's, it's, it's got almost 500 million users now across 190 countries uh crazy yeah really crazy i mean like we're huge in brazil and russia and continental europe um and i got brought on board to sort of really build out um the marketing in in the uk um so i work um you know across across the, the marketing mix to bring to bring the, the the brand message um alive in the uk um so this you know, spans from brand partnerships to digital content to PR to social. So it's a very, it's a very broad um, role that I'm, I'm, I'm at the moment. Okay, that sounds fun. Tell us, let's focus on you for a second. Um, what do you think professionally you're known for? Well, I'd like to think I'm known for being um, quite creative and reactive. Um, I. I'm in terms of my style, I'd say I think I'm pretty upfront and 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 honest and um, very collaborative when it comes to, you know, creating campaign ideas. You know, you have to be you have to be very agile in a, in a, in a role like mine. Um, so, for example, last my one of my biggest campaigns last year. Um, well, the, the the challenge was we needed to get more and media and PR. So I, I created a podcast called The Truth Flirts with um, Mel B, the Spice Girl, who hosted it. Now, she was great because she's just such an open and honest, 
famous single mom who'd been through it all um, and really represented our brand values around, you know, being honest when dating. And every, we did an eight episode series um, and we had uh, two sort of celebrities on, on each episode, which were very varied in terms of where they came from and what their opinions were. And, and from that, we generated huge amounts of coverage and, and content for social. So it's about coming up with these campaigns that are really going to cut through culture. That sounds fascinating. I know I'm going kind of off question, but I just want to focus on that. What were the metrics of success for that podcast? The only reason I ask is because we've created some branded podcasts. I've seen them on marketing plans. And I think the trouble often with brands when they're in this digital audio space is sometimes they don't give it long enough. Sometimes they're frightened by the relatively small mm. numbers. What were the metrics of success? And indeed, it sounds like so it it's was quite interesting. There, there are various ways you can measure success. Actual podcast listens weren't as high as we actually predicted. I think there are a lot of podcasts out there. But when... There are 900,000 apparently, according Huge to Apple. Amount. So what so. this podcast did was it gave us sound bites to give to the press yeah. every week. So, you know, we had anyone from Daisy Lowe to Wes from Love Island to BBC's first LGBTQ correspondent. And what that does is it, we got, uh, what was it, 300 media articles from one series and we were hitting our target publications so we were getting this drumbeat yeah. of brand message every week for eight weeks and then of course you had the influencers who were on the podcast who were talking about it and, and sharing content and then we had video content for social so the reach was actually huge um for for earned media got it um you mentioned previously that you're you you work collaboratively and you you've got to be dynamic um is there a, a commonality in the people that you enjoy working with are there specific character traits what do you look for in colleagues and indeed agency partners mm. media partners obviously being creative but just really getting stuck in and you know i love collaborating you know that messy stage of working together where everyone just sort of like chips in no idea is a bad idea people aren't afraid to come up with suggestions um and just you know over communicating too and in terms of mentoring is that something you've looked to do yourself have you had a mentor whether it be informal or, or I, formal? i mentor? think mentoring is is hugely important um to have someone that you can speak to, to confide in, to share a particular issue that you have that you wouldn't necessarily want to speak to anyone at work about. Um, and maybe sort of your your friends and family don't have that work expertise. And so I actually do have a mentor. He's um, he's um, someone who I used to work with back when I was at, at, in my finance days. And he has, you know, a huge amount of experience, even though he doesn't know the online dating industry really well. He just has that, you know, experience. And you know what I find is often mentors are so willing to share their knowledge and be of help. You know, often when people have reached a certain stage in their career, they really get a kick out of helping others. So, um, yeah, really really find mentoring extremely helpful no matter how experienced you are okay and 
I'm going to ask you a personal question now, Natasha, something that I haven't done with other guests, but it feels appropriate. I want to ask you about online dating and indeed online dating apps. Is this something you have experience of from a personal standpoint before you started working in this space? Absolutely. You know, being um, a single person, I think dating apps came out when I was, you know, in my mid 20s and it was really exciting at the time i mean how cool that mm. there was an app where you can meet with someone in your area or people who you wouldn't necessarily meet in your immediate circles um it's 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 a fascinating industry so yes i've 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 dated online and you know because of my line of work i'm now on you know on the apps because i i want to understand what it feels like you know what the product um is is doing for you and what it feels like to be to be dating online is really important to what I do and as a marketeer what is it that the dating space offers you that other industries that other brands can't I mean I really love being in tech uh, to start with I think it's 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 an industry that has the right balance of being very creative and forward thinking and agile. Um, and, you know, I like being in that space. And, and what I love particularly about online dating is connecting people. I mean, genuinely, one of the things that I really get off on is we are changing people's lives. Like we are helping people meet other people, um, which is hugely rewarding. You know, every Wednesday I get a success story sent to me about, you know, a couple who have met and found happiness on our platform. Um, and that's really rewarding. And if you think about what's happening now with coronavirus, um, people are lonely and they are wanting to feel more connected than ever and they're using our platforms to to meet other people online couple more i get you there a couple more questions about you one um have you got a side hustle do you have the time the headspace to focus on other things and then the second thing which might be related or might not be are you any good at switching off and how do you do that i do actually have a um a side hustle i am a collage um, artist um, yeah oh, wow. so I have a studio in Hackney Road in an old framing warehouse and I'm an obsessive collector of vintage magazines and uh, usage of my own photography and I create large-scale um, collages and I did a show uh, called Exaggerated Truth in Hoxton Arches um, a year and a half ago and I do commissions for brands and um and uh people um on a regular basis it's it's hard when you know you are working i have a, a nine to five job but for me it's so important to have something on the side to keep me creative um and to just have a complete respite from from the day-to-day -day work life that, that sounds about the coolest side hustle we've had. So, yeah, well done, you. That sounds awesome. I am um, actually a kind of a friend and a, um, she's also an influencer mm. herself. She's Becky Cruel. Anyway, she's obsessed with vintage magazines and features them quite a lot on her Instagram feed. So you'll have to Ooh. check her out. I will introduce you. you. She's awesome. No worries. And let's cover the switching mm. off bit. Are you any good at switching off? Have you always got the phone 
on you? Are you always responding to emails outside of nine to five? How do, how, how is your working week I'm, made up? I feel like I am actually quite good at switching off. Um, the way I do this is I, I actually turn off notifications on my phone um, on the weekends and sometimes in the evenings because I just find like otherwise my phone is just sort of popping off. Um, luckily, I work in a, a culture, a, a work culture where personal time is respected, um, which is which really helps. And obviously, this will ebb and flow depending how busy I am or, you know, what's going on. For example, at the time, at the moment with, with coronavirus, we're really having to pivot our marketing at the moment. So I'm constantly thinking about how we're doing that. So I'm slightly switching off less at the moment, but, but generally I yeah. feel like I have a handle on it. So I'm still here with Natasha from Badoo. Um, we're now going to get kind of under the skin of online dating and also focus on the Badoo story and the point of difference. First of all, Natasha, I'm so old that I've actually been to a wedding where the couple met on Match.com and lied about meeting on Match.com. So that's how kind of online dating has not affected my life. So I've never dated online. I've never used apps. First of all, bring to life the marketplace for us. And why is Badoo different? So online dating is a relatively new industry. I mean, it, it really only started sort of eight years ago. And I think different age groups have different approaches to what online dating is. If you speak to... Um, millennials and gen, gen Z, they use dating apps like any other app. Like it's not, it's not necessarily to find the love of your life. If you're between 18 and 24 years old, you're just learning about what dating is and dating apps help you to, to discover your online dating journey. Um, I think with a slightly older people say from 35 plus it just wasn't part of their culture growing up so um yeah. for them it sort of feels like you know they're trying to find the love of love of their lives at that point so different age groups use dating apps in different ways um in terms of Badoo's offering um last year we decided to look at our community and really, really understand who they are, what their challenges are, why they were using the app. And the key thing that came out of it was our users were really honest about who they are and what they wanted. And compounded with the rise of the image economy that's going on, where there's this pressure to be your best self and be having the most exciting lives, we came up with our mission, Date Honestly, where we want to be a platform where we encourage people to be the best version of themselves and be really upfront about who they are. So throughout all of our communications, our product, we are really, really trying to encourage a culture of being honest. So for example, when you go onto our app, you have to sign an honesty pledge to say you're gonna be as honest as possible. We encourage people to fill out their profiles that 
rich who they are as a person so they're more than just a photo in our campaigns we only ever use real people when we create content we use real dating stories you know the good the bad the ugly because that's real that's honest like online dating can be great but sometimes it can be a bit crappy um but we we want to show the honest side of dating i, I get it okay so reputationally then has Badu ever had a problem or is it online dating could have a reputational problem and you're looking to try to cut through that or or you just think it will be individuals so the the people going on dates that will they'll there'll be a few mm. bad apples if you like what what's what's your view how do you look after Badu's um, reputation I mean the online dating industry or all the dating apps have this challenge to face of people maybe not being inclined to use the app. So there's a lot of sort of education to go around what the experience is like. Um, okay. But, you know, the way we do that is bring dating to life through great content. Like entertainment is what a lot of people come to dating apps for, for distraction, for a respite from their day-to-day -day lives. So we focus heavily on that. Um, and then, of course, we have you know a PR agency who helps us deliver our message um at scale through media so this is quite interesting it's almost dating being lifestyle I guess lifestyle is dating dating is lifestyle this is the antidote to uh, to to the nine to five if you like you're, you're looking after people's leisure yeah, time people not just want time. to connect and feel connected and have fun and meet people sometimes people don't live in in cities where they're meeting people all the time so for example one of the features on our app is people nearby where you can search people based on their location near where you live so you know this is just a great way for people to connect with each other that they wouldn't necessarily have been able to have done in real life let's talk about the crazy times that we live in now we're about as we recall we're four weeks into lockdown or, or this is the start of the fourth week how on earth, a stupid question perhaps, how on earth are people dating via an app whilst we're in lockdown? It's, it's, a, great, it's a great question because it's a really interesting time because on the one hand, you've got people at home feeling more isolated than ever and wanting to connect, yet the, our brand proposition is about getting people to meet in real life and they can't do that. So we're entering a very interesting era of virtual dating. Now, I believe this probably would have happened anyway, but coronavirus has sort of propelled this uh, process. So a lot of online brands are talking about video dating, video calling, um, you know, calling, basically, dating virtually yet we don't really know what this looks like or what it feels like or what you do on a virtual date so we are yeah. having to bring that to life for our community and in a way educate them on what virtual dating is and it's really interesting we're starting to see some really interesting trends people are cooking together people are uh, online gaming together people are watching a sunrise on their laptops together so people are starting to get creative about how they date online 
So that was going to be my next question. An online date to me strikes mm -hmm. me as quite intense. But I suppose if you have these activities in the background, then I guess it's partly distraction, but partly, if you like, engaging totally. in something together. Yeah, we know that, that seems... for, for some people, because they don't really know what online dating is, there's a bit of a pressure. The reality is people right now are, on, are in their PJs, on their sofa, cashing out um and so how do you make that switch in your mind to online dating um but i think people are are are, are learning to understand what that is and potentially it is going to become the norm okay and are you seeing any trends any spikes are you seeing people more concerned with looks less concerned with looks Did, what, what yeah, are you we've, saying? We've What's been, happening right we, now? We carry okay. out uh, research on a, on a weekly basis almost to our users to find out what people are feeling, what their sentiment is. And one of the interesting things that you just pointed out is that people are caring less about looks. So it's becoming less important to them. But what is a really interesting trend is we're noticing that people are having what we call better quality conversations and what that means is people are chatting for longer exchanging more messages over a longer period of time more than ever before so there's almost this new um era of courtship happening we're getting to know each other better um i think when dating apps first launched when tinder launched there was you know the swipe culture just like swipe match you know maybe you meet up whereas now people are, are are, are becoming f far more conversational, which I think is a really great positive to come out of this uh, uh, coronavirus period. And are you seeing, you're seeing less users, but they're using the app for longer? So we know or that if users, you are already registered with the app, a lot of people are coming back. So we've got more active users. In terms of sort of registrations, it's spiky. Um, different countries depending on where they are in the stages of coronavirus are showing trends so really? i think it, when uh, coronavirus started kicking in you know you, people people are very worried about their economic situations and so dating can feel like less of a priority right now however we are pretty sure that as lockdown starts to lift in say end of May, June, which is normally a peak time for online dating under normal circumstances, I predict that a lot of people will be coming to the apps to sort of set up dates for when lockdown finally uh, releases and, and, and singles are gonna be really yeah. keen to connect with each other. I wanna ask a kind of more broad question about dating apps and the online dating scene and it's around this do you think there's almost too much pressure for people to be with someone do you think there's one thing about lockdown is people have been mm -hmm. to use the literal word isolated i mean do you think it's important to be able to survive without being with someone and do you, do you think singles are yeah. almost feeling more empowered at the moment i think this is really interesting i think what i've noticed in social media is people who are single are now being a lot more proud about being single because I think prior to this there was so much narrative about around being in a relationship equals success you know like in movies in popular culture that's what we were 
you know, told and, sh and, and shown as being sort of, you know, the pinnacle of success. But I think that's changing. I think with coronavirus, if you're single, it has made you feel more lonely because, you know, you don't have a partner. And maybe in social media, you're seeing people hanging out with their other partners. Um, I think being single is becoming much more okay. I think sing influencers who are single are being more proud about, you know, speaking about being single. There isn't a constant quest to find that your next partner or indeed a life partner. You think that actually being identifying as single for a while is something that's becoming more. Absolutely. And more I think there's merits to being single. There's merits to being in a relationship. But I think that um, people are becoming a lot more comfortable about it, especially women. You know, like we are uh, having careers more than ever before and being more financially independent than we were sort of 10 20 years ago and that independence is allowing for us to be much more happier when you're single so let's jump into that a little bit who are the badu audience does it work like a provincial nightclub where they you get have to get enough women in and you let them in for free so the boys follow how old are the audience and also what does badu offer because I in a, in a previous agency, I've actually worked on a on a dating site back then, as opposed to an app. And they were very, very clear in their brand language that, let's be crude, mm. they offered encounters. That was their brand word. What do Badu mm. offer? Do they offer encounters? Do they offer lifelong relationships? So, and who um, are you talking our to? users come from all sorts of backgrounds, very diverse. Um, we skew slightly older than, say, Tinder or Bumble. So we're more sort of 24 to 30, broadly speaking. Um, and in terms of what our users are looking for, I'd say when I've spoken to our users in research, many of them are looking for a relationship, although they're very happy to have sort of more informal relaxed dating experiences so it's a it's a little bit of both and does that present a marketing challenge because you you need to i think offer when you're both, marketing you have to be great. really really careful about who you're talking to i mean what's interesting at Badu is over 50 percent of our users are single moms we really over index with single moms so um they're they're an audience that we are trying to help and serve um but yeah, you, your marketing needs to make sure that you are providing a solution to that, to the problems of that audience. Um, so yeah, we always keep that in sure. mind. And in terms of more broadly looking at dating and what happens on dates, do you think dating changes as people get older or is it more about stage than age? How does... How do, how do different kind of dates happen to different kinds of people? I think it's hard. To, I, I don't want to stereotype and say, oh, young people are after more, you know, informal no, sure. things and, and older people just want to sort of settle. I think, I think in reality, there's all sorts of dating happening. There are, you know, there are some people who just want to have a casual drink at a pub. There are some people who, you know, want to go on more thoughtful dates. I think because our platform has so many people on it, I think it's really hard for us to, to stereotype what, what people are doing. Okay. 
Um, let's focus on the Badu brand and let's focus on kind of what that means. First of all, Badu as a brand, how is it defined, do you think? Is it is it by what it does do or what it doesn't do? And have there, have you had any ill-fated brand extensions? Have you been have you said no to stuff? Well, I think yeah. first of how all, does, how does that our work? product in terms of how you can meet people is is quite sophisticated because on one hand, you can meet people nearby, so searching by lo- lo- location. Um, you can also meet through encounters, as you've said before, which is where you're sort of um, swiping through people. Um, and then you can also do video calling within the app. So there's different ways that you can connect with people with in the products which differentiates us and then also just our, our community really really defines who we are as a brand it's the people of different backgrounds different uh who are diverse and and they make up you know without our community our product doesn't exist so they are a big player in how how our brand is perceived and experienced and who do you define as your competition? Do you look at competition? Is it other dating sites, other dating apps, or is it more broadly social yeah, media? Yeah, so of course, um, other dating apps are our competitors, but you raise an interesting point there about social media. I mean, Facebook have launched um, a dating platform, and to an extent, Instagram, uh, people reach out to each other on their platform. Um, so I think any sort of social networking platforms are are also in the mix when it comes to looking for opportunities to meet other people. And have Badoo as a brand or even as a as a wider business, are there any mistakes that Badoo have made, whether it's been in your time um, or previous to your time? I wouldn't say there are mistakes, big mistakes, but, you know, sometimes you will create a campaign and you know it won't get the success success metrics that you'd necessarily hope for but i mean that's life you 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 give it a go you 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 but as long as you learn from it and take the learnings onto your next campaign then there's there's nothing too wrong that's happened there You've mentioned the podcast campaign uh, last year with Mel B that sounded awesome. Are, are there any other things you've done at Badu that you're extremely proud of? Any yeah, other campaigns, um, any other we initiatives? We created an online YouTube series called True Stories where I did a call out to all my users and I said, send me your best, worst, ugly dating stories and I will create a series out of it. So I had, I got thousands of entries and these were just some of the most amazing stories and I chose the top four and we got um, script writers to sort of write these out into into four short stories and then I got celebrities to reenact these these stories so for example we had um, Jack Fowler and Wes from Love Island who recreated this really embarrassing restaurant scene that one of our users um, had told us about. Um, I had some of the actors from Top Boy, etc. And we created like a, a pretty high end four episode um, series, which we put on YouTube. Um, and we got, you know, I think we got six million hits from it. Um, yeah, great. 
great engagement. That but let's awesome. trust that as a brand showcasing like the real honest stories that happen in dating and that's okay like if it didn't turn out all right if it was a really embarrassing moment we think that's great and we want to champion those moments and champion our users uh experiences are there any trends globally about how different countries date mm. oh, so in Brazil, is it later? In in do you know what I mean? Because I know you mentioned that Badu globally is a big um, is a huge business. Are there any any geographical yeah, of trends? Course, is dating there different are huge in other differences. Um, some regions are much more informal than others. Brazil is a good example of that, where just culturally, like dating is a very very informal process. In fact, they sometimes don't even really use the word dating. It's more just like you hang out with each other um there's also other interesting differences in um how males and females approach each other like for example in france you know guys are really expected to make that first move that's just how it is um whereas if you go to the u.s there's a lot of narrative around female empowerment and you know girls feeling empowered to make that first move so yeah there are great, great differences in different countries. So I'm still here with Natasha from Badu, and this is the third section of our chat. This is around the actual rocket fuel stuff that our audience of media, marketing, tech, culture type people can take and apply to their daily lives, some actionable insights. So no pressure, Natasha. First question is a big one. What do you know about young people? About At Badu, we carry out a lot of research into our users because it's just so important to really understand what they're feeling and thinking. And I think even before coronavirus, one of the biggest learnings we have about our audiences is people feel lonely. Um, people feel more disconnected than ever. So, and this is really, I mean, across the UK and, and, and I think this is happening in many other countries as well, you know, as, you know, back in the day, you'd go to church on a Sunday, um, people were just parts of communities that were sort of meeting on a more regular basis and, and those kind of groups and gatherings have broken down. And whilst we've gone online, and in a way are more connected than ever. At the same time, people feel very disconnected. So I think um, understanding that loneliness is a huge issue um, is something to, that we keep in mind all the time. We, we live in an age of brand purpose. Um, you've spoken very eloquently about kind of this loneliness, about female empowerment. Do you, what do you think, I suppose, is important to young audiences and I think you, you think have to be to authentic most? and you have to have a purpose. Um, younger audiences more than ever understand that brands are coming at them more than ever before. When you're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, you're, you're getting advertised to all the time and that audience know that. And so unless you have a strong message or a strong purpose, they're going to figure that out very quickly and really not get sold into your 
proposition. Um, yeah, and I think being honest as a brand is really, really important. You know, where I've seen brands do great work is when they own up to when they've made mistakes. You know, I think I, I loved uh, Channel 4's advert where they publicized all the complaints that they had received. I loved KFC when they'd run out of chicken and they yeah. created that brilliant campaign um, that they f***ed up. Um, and I think youth audiences in particular respond really well to that. So what do you think has changed about youth audiences and what's, what's going to change about next? young audiences? They're just, they're just much savvier. They're much more um, aware. They, they, they are purpose driven. You know, if, if a brand, and I think brands that aren't doing good for society or the environment, they are much more acutely aware of. Um, so I think brands have to take a look at themselves and, and really um, understand where they, how they're behaving as a brand, what they're doing for the environment and society for, for that audience to really, to really be willing to connect with them. So people have rolled their eyes at Generation Z, even still people are rolling their eyes at millennials. I mean, whether you think kind of these labels, these badges matter, but the one thing that stood out in the research that Badi did before, around coronavirus was that people are looking almost mm. beyond looks and looking for more depths. Do you think that younger audiences have got depths that perhaps older audiences are failing to understand? And do you mm. think that's indicative of a... Think with older audiences like we were fed a, a culture where looks were really important like if you were opening magazines 10 years ago it was how do you look younger how do you look thinner I mean there were just skinny models all over all over the um image uh, there were lots of images of skinny models like Victoria's Secret's catwalk shows I mean, that just now is completely irrelevant to a younger audience to the extent that they cancelled those shows. And so I think younger audiences are now being fed a much healthier and better narrative um, around uh, body positivity and um, those kinds of things. So I think as, as marketeers, we need to understand what our users uh, what what younger people um, are wanting to feel and what they're wanting to associate themselves with. So which brands get it right, which brands get it wrong? But you don't have to name names, but you, you can be as vague or, or as, or as bull, bulletproof as, as you want to be, uh, Natasha. But have you examples of organisations, brands, sectors where they communicate very I well think, with the uh, Glossier, the online beauty brand, does a really great job um, of connecting with their audiences because they've created a community, a really, really strong community of people who have a shared interest. And I think any brand which invests heavily in community are the brands that succeed the most. And finally, Natasha, have you one takeaway for everybody listening? What do you think is the, the key point that, that's either within our conversation or indeed beyond? I think really it? understanding your consumers is fundamental. 
I try and make sure that I have personal contact with my users every month and listen in on um, qualitative interviews. I think understanding that things change pretty quickly as well, um, especially at the moment with coronavirus, sentiment is literally changing by the week. And so to really be able to solve problems for your users, you need to understand what they're thinking and feeling and how they're digesting content. Nice. Natasha Briefel from um, uh, Badu, thank you so much for being this week's guest. Is there anywhere where people can find Absolutely. out more about you? Um, more about you can Badu. download the app um, in the App Store or on Google Play, <laughs> which is Badu. You can follow us on Instagram. Our global account is Badu or our UK account, Badu UK. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to having you. So that was Natasha's rocket fuel. Sorry again if you're still getting used to some of these being recorded in a slightly different way. We're recording them remotely because of uh, coronavirus. So that was the full interview with Natasha. Let us know if you've got any ideas for guests. Do give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It helps. And also you can uh, get in touch with me on Twitter with any thoughts, any feedback. Don't worry, I've got fairly thick skin. And I hope that guide to dating, particularly dating in lockdown, was uh, as fascinating for you as it was for me. Come back next week for more Rocket Fuel. This is a Rocket Audio production.